guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm your host, Abby Williams. I hope everybody is settling into the school year. Um, everybody is finding their rhythm, their routine. We are slowly trying to find our routine. Um, but with that, I think comes a lot of conversations, a lot of thought around how are we best setting up our child for success for this academic school year? What does that look like as far as academics? What kind of extracurricular activities are we going to get them into? And how does that best serve them later on down the road? Um, I think that this really ramps up during the tween and teen years. And that's why today I'm very excited to be welcoming Cindy Muchnick and Jen Curtis. They co-authored the book, The Parent Compass, Navigating Your Teen's Wellness and Academic Journey in Today's Competitive World. It's a fabulous read. It just came out. I'm so happy I got my hands on this book before I hit these years. Um, With my co-parenting relationship, we really like to stay ahead of the game and have a lot of these conversations before things happen, um, just so that we're all on the same page. And I really think that it's a great thing to practice for all families, a lot for all couples um, in raising children. I think that just staying ahead of it is what's best. Um, But their book, The Parent Compass, their goal around the book was to help parents better understand their appropriate position in their kids' middle school and high school years, ultimately accumulating in the college admissions process, a role that doesn't cross inappropriate blurry lines, um, a role that models, cheerleads, and trusts, as opposed to a role that advocates for their child and one that forces, coddles, and controls. Um, you know, you see a lot of these controlling relationships that then fracture the parent-child relationship, and I know so many of us never want to get there. So how are we going to best steer our children in the right direction, but not be overbearing and lose their voice in their journey to then, you know, a lot of people then get into careers that they're not passionate about and they're not happy um, because they were doing things that their parents wanted them to do. And I know that you and I, we do not want our kids to get there. We want to put out these functioning adults that are happy, that are kind, that are successful, and that are living a good life for them. Um, So how do we best serve them in being able to do that? Um, What is the importance of the family unit? You know, their book really goes through just so, so much. So make sure that you go find their book. I'm going to link it in the description of this podcast, as well as their um, website, all their social media handles. Make sure that you go give them a follow. They are putting out some amazing content. And these women are just doing such great things. I'm so excited to see where this book takes them, where this journey takes them. So make sure that you go follow along. And if you enjoy this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Your support on the podcast means the world to me, and I appreciate you being here. So let's get started. Cheers. So welcome, ladies. I am so excited that you are here on the Mimosas with Moms podcast. Um, Jen, why don't you go first and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so thank you so much for having us. Um, 
I am an educational consultant. Uh, I own a company called FutureWise Consulting in Orange County, California. Yeah. Um, and I work with students from ninth to 12th grade to um, help them understand the college admission process. Um, and in my practice, we focus a lot on empowering students to be them be the, their best selves um, and trying to educate parents on their role in the college admission process um, as it relates to their children. Um, and I'll hand it over to you, Cindy. Uh, I am Cindy Amechnik, and I, for about 15 years, had the same job that Jen had. I was also yeah. um, a private college counselor, educational consultant. That's how we met uh, professionally. Uh, prior to that, I actually had worked in college admissions on the other side of the table um, yeah. had, and had taught high school and have always worked with teens and actually have a real appreciation and love for this age group that tends to baffle and stress out some parents. But I've really um, waited with bated breath and excited for my kids. Um, I'm also the mother of four yeah. uh, for my kids to all reach the teenage stage. So right now I have three teenagers and one um, out of college. And um, Jen and I uh, really embarked on this project together uh, basically last uh, March of 2019, right when the Varsity Blues college admission scandal erupted. Yeah. My first phone call from um, Northern California, which is where I live now, um, it was to Jen. And I remember sitting in a parking lot for about 90 minutes on the phone with her when the news broke and the two of us just felt like we had been punched in the gut. Um, it was such a you know disappointing and shocking and upsetting time for us professionally, but also just the sense of disappointment of the fact that we'd worked with so many of these kids and we'd seen some of the signs, um, the early signs of this bad parenting behavior that obviously um, really came to a head with the Varsity Blues scandal. Yeah. So together, uh, we we compared it to watching the OJ car chase. You know, just for 48 hours, we were glued to our computer screens, reading the documents, learning about what was happening. And we decided we needed to do something about it. And um, the book was actually born, it started out of that scandal, hoping to try to teach parents the right way and the proper behavior and how to you know, navigate these tricky years and um, do it by and, and still preserving a positive relationship with your kids. And those two things needed to be taught and gone hand in hand. So together we came up with this idea and, um, you know, used a lot of our own personal experiences and also consulted with a lot of um, thought leaders in, um, in our field and in the world of psychology and higher right. education and others. So right. that's a little summary. <laughs> So you guys got together, you wrote this amazing book, The Parent Compass. Tell us what, what readers are going to find in this book. I'll jump in. Um, so uh, in writing this, we um, drew a lot on our experiences in our, in our practices and um we're noticing patterns of poor parenting behavior yeah. um, that led to these, you know, frazzled um, kids who had been coddled and really kind of when they um, reached their early adult years, um, didn't really have the tools to um, succeed and be on their own. And then we also, we also had seen so many parents who had done it 
um, well. And, and so we were in noticing those patterns and as um, Operation Varsity Blues um, came to light, we decided that um, this book was going to be one where we were offering tools for yeah. parents to have better um, parenting behavior. And we wanted to teach them how to um, appropriately approach the type of parenting that would um, help them to facilitate their kids, not only their academic success, but also their emotional well-being. Um, and like Cindy said, the, the goal was really to help them, um, help parents to keep their relationship with their children um, intact while also helping them develop self-reliance, self-advocacy skills, grit, resilience, um, and then help them find kind of purpose in their life's journey um, so that when they reach the adult years, they, um, they, they were those successful kids that we had seen. So let's kind of talk about what were some of the negative pa parenting behaviors that you guys were seeing that were hindering kids, and what are some of the positive parenting things that parents were doing that were helping propel their children forward? I think one of the, one of the negative things that we talked about a lot in the book was parents speaking for their kids. Um, yeah. We had noticed a lot in session, for example, um, I, I wrote in there, I think a couple different instances. Um, and I think it's actually the example that begins the book um, where I had a family come in and they you know, sat down on the couch um, and I, the mom had kind of droned on for a while about her daughter, but, oh, but constantly comparing her to their other daughter. Um, and then at one point I kind of stopped her and I asked the younger daughter, um, so, you know, just tell me a little bit about your interests. What do you, what do you like to do inside the classroom and what do you like to do outside the classroom? And she stared at me with this horrified look on her face. Um, and she, she, she literally could not answer the question. Yeah. And she stared at me and stared at her mom, stared at me and stared at her mom and, and could not speak. And, and eventually all she was able to say was, mom, you know, yeah, um, and yeah. it really hit me that this poor young girl had, had literally never um, spoken for herself um, and, and had never really been um, allowed the freedom to explore the things that were important to her. Um, so I think and some of the bad pieces like missing. Yeah, yes, exactly. So um, we, we wanted to really touch on that self-advocacy piece and that, um, you know, allowing your children um, to speak for themselves. Um, I'll let Cindy in on, on other poor parenting. Behavior. Yeah, the, yeah the other, another main theme, and, and Jen and I did draw from lots of students that we have yeah. worked with through many years. We changed lots of names to protect the innocent, um, both, you know, in positive and in, in negative things right. we saw. But um, we also felt not only that uh, this poor parenting, you know, kind of quelched the, the students from being able to speak for themselves, but we also felt that a lot of parents weren't really seeing their kids. They weren't yeah. seeing who they were as individuals. They were projecting what they wanted, what they were dreaming for them. They were living vicariously. There was this sense of loss that these students couldn't do, be who they were and be happy and successful and have their parents appreciate the things that interested them as opposed to what the parents wanted for their kids. I mean, granted, we all want to raise self-reliant, happy, yeah. you know, kids with, who have interests and can speak for themselves. But these kids were sort of being um, not really genuinely seen and appreciated by their parents. And 
what compounded that was kids who were kind of mid-level or even struggling academically, that the parents were, you know, pushing and forcing and tutoring and, and managing and not. And do you think like it's okay that some of these kids are just going to be average and that we just have like these super high expectations of children these days that not everybody can live up to these super high standards, you know? And yeah. There's jobs out there for all different people for a reason, right? For sure. One of right. our one of our big quotes in the book was, you know, a B for one student is a yeah. celebration. I right. mean, some for some kids getting a B or even getting a C has taken right. a real lot of effort and hard work where in other cases a B can be a disappointment. So, right. it's really looking at and teaching parents to um, look at their kids where they are and who they are and trying to hook into what makes their kids tick and support that along the way. And do you feel like and this I is think- also being like so compounded, not only academically, but now we have all these extracurriculars that we're putting on top of our kids and getting into college is a lot more competitive now and you need this crazy resume by the time you're 18 years old. I'm like, what is that doing to our kids, you know? Our our, our teacher interviews also revealed something similar in that yeah. um, a lot of our teachers are seeing that kids are being pushed into, whether it be fields um, that are not right for them or extracurricular activities that aren't right for them. Right. Um, and, and they'll admit to their teachers that you know, well, the only reason I'm taking this class is because my parents are making me, they think that this is the field that I should go into. Um, you know, and it's, and the teacher's like, well, what do you like? Well, I like art. Well, what is your parent making you do? Well, my parents making me do engineering. Um, and it's just, it's just not a fit for that student. Um, and so, and where, you know, where does, where does that leave the student in terms of, um, as Cindy was touching on earlier, feeling heard and, um, feeling understood and, um, and then being miserable in doing, you know, what they're, what they're required to do. So, because then like um, what happens when that student goes on, becomes the engineer and is in a field that they're not passionate about and they're just like left out there in the world, like, you know, burnout, unhappy. When yeah. I think, you know, we can all kind of agree that our end game or our number one thing is we want our kids to be happy. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. What a bummer that that gets like kind of clouded at times, I guess. Yeah, I would probably add to Abby that um, not only are the parents trying to navigate the fields and the activities, but the parents are having their kids take the courses that are more demanding or higher level than their kids are comfortable in. Yeah. So then you take sort of a what I would call a mid-level student, an average student who's kind of pressed into being in an honors or an AP class and really struggling and now just miserable because it, you know, it's not the right fit academically. So it all really does, um, does compound in this, you know, resume you're referring to that by the yeah. time they're 18, you know, every hour of the day is filled. So we, <laughs> we address a lot of these concerns in our book with real yeah. stories with quotes from, from experts, with, um, you know, with advice that we are trying to impart, um, you know, on parents to follow this different kind of compass, this parent compass that will guide you in a better way, in a more productive way. And that will help you, you know, still have your kids like you by the time they leave your home. (laughs) 
And what is, I guess, you know, the other route that we should be taking here, you know, where we want our kids to get into a good school and have a great future and you want all these great things for them. But like, how do we balance this? Where's the line between motivating you and pushing you in a positive way to propel you forward and completely just missing the mark? Jen, do you want to talk to that? Or? <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I think um, we in the book, we, we really tried to give um, tools for yeah. finding that line. And I think, you know, if, 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 your, if your kid, going back to feeling understood and feeling like you're heard, if your kid feels understood and feels heard and is passionate about what they're doing, um, your kid is going to find a way to, to, you know, be successful and, and make that work for them. Um, whereas kind of, you know, if you're just pushing, 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 um, and you have an angry kid, um, that kid isn't going to do very well. Um, so I think, I think they're related. Yeah. And I would probably add to answer that question, um, that, when our kids are younger and before they've hit the teenage years, we expose them to lots of things as parents, to activities, to, um, and we sort of see what they gravitate towards. Sometimes it's right. something that we did a lot growing up and other times it's something we're totally, it's foreign to us as parents. And we talk yeah. about examples of, for example, there's a student, Grace, that we worked with who um, from a very young age, her parents took her to the circus and she pointed at the trapezes and she told her parents, I want to do that. And her parents were like, oh, yeah, that's okay. how sweet, Grace, <laughs> yeah. you know? And she's like, no, no. And she got on the internet and she found these summer camps that had trapeze lessons and she found a local circus place. And, um, you know, fast forward many, many years, she found a college that had a great gymnastics program and she flew and truly, you know, ended up, you know, with the Cirque du Soleil. I mean, that yeah. was... Uh, uh, that's a rather extreme and unique example, but right. you know, there's the boy who pointed at the airplanes from a young age and the parents took them to the air museums and subscribed to the airplane magazines and built Lego airplanes with their kid and watched the airplanes take off and visited the cockpit. And then yes, believe it or not, he's a pilot for FedEx. So, right. you know, so our job as a parent is to look at those passions and interests and try to appreciate them and do our best to help our kids find a way to meeting them. Sometimes they're going to be extreme and difficult and difficult for us to try to support. And, it, and it's surprising how much our kids are able to help themselves with the, you know, I remember my youngest daughter handing me an iPad and asking me to input my credit card number so she could sign herself up for a soccer club, you know, something yeah. I hadn't thought of. So our kids will show us the things they want. And if we can try to help them achieve them, I think we're doing a really good job. I think so too. I think, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, I wanted to add one more little thing because I think also um, some kids need that exploration time period. And I think there is this race these days to have it figured out because if you don't, then you don't know what you're going to major in. And then if you don't know what you're going to major in, then, you know, and, and parents kind of um, look at this long view of, oh my gosh, you need to know what you're going to do when you're 12 years old. Um, and you don't. And I think that if we allow our kids the opportunity to explore, um, eventually they're going to find something that grabs onto them. So we need to give them the tools. And I think if parents um, get frustrated that, oh my gosh, I thought you liked 
art, but now this month you're on to whatever. Um, I think we need to allow that in our children um, so that they can begin to identify their own um, their own interests. And some kids, it takes longer to explore than other kids. That's exactly like kind of the point I was about to bring up was I think it's okay for like these passions to change. You know, mm -hmm. I look at my oldest who's 10 and for the first like six years of his life, the kid lived and breathed baseball. And now here we are at 10 and it's starting to fizzle out and you're watching, you know, him on the ball field, the passion's like not there. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, it's okay. And we sunk a lot of money into some baseball camps early on. And, you know, would I do it again? I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't have been spending money on the big baseball camps, but, but you didn't know. And it was what he was really, really passionate about at the time. And it was exciting to watch him like, you know, light up and get excited about going and doing this. And now his interests are changing and he's more peer driven and he wants to be with friends and he wants to be doing other things. And I think that that's okay too, you know, and I think that you're going to have these evolves and I think every kid is going to be different where you're going to have the little boy who wants to be a pilot from the age of three and he's actually going to go and do it. And then you're going to have the kid who might turn 18 and be finishing high school and still have no idea. Abby, you, you hit the... Oh, sorry. I, I, th I think there's also value in ruling things out because yeah. if you don't allow them to try them, you know, I've seen so many times where like a student will come in and they'll tell me, you know, they wanted to be a doctor from day one. Yeah. And, um, but they've never explored it. And then once <laughs> they do, they're like, oh, I really don't like I don't blood, want to do or, blood or whatever it is, um, you know? And so great. Like we have that knowledge now. Now, now what would you like to explore? Um, and so I, I do think that there certainly is value in ruling things out. I don't think that yeah. once you find out you don't like something that it's a complete misstep and, and time has been wasted. I think that propels you on to um, the next thing that um, is a better fit for you. And Abby, bravo to you for already <laughs> following your parent compass because the two examples, the examples we gave though about the trapeze and the pilot, yeah. those are what we call in our field pointy kids. Those right. are kids who, you know, they know what they want and they're going to go for it and navigate that, but they're not the majority. In fact, they might yeah. really be the minority. And yeah. Um, in exposing our kids to lots of different things. Look, my kids never really succeeded on a swim team or on a boat because we're not an aquatic family. We don't spend time near the water. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, that that just rules that out. But I guess if we put a sword and a, you know, and a mask and put them, you know, in a fencing class, then we would have exposed them to that. So um, I think you're, it sounds like, you know, your son is giving you signals and you're following them and that's okay. Um, not all of them are going to go on and it's good for them to have dreams, but they're not all going to be on the, you know, major league baseball teams or anything right. like that. They want to just have nice activities that they enjoy um, growing up. And yeah. I will, and in the, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was, I was just going to say in the book, we have, we do have a couple of examples of kids who were super, is, when we talk about sports in particular, yeah. and these kids were super, super involved in their sports through junior year of high school. And both of these examples of kids um, burned out and yeah. they were done. And so, but we juxtaposed the two because one family handled it very poorly 
Um, and then one family handled it very well. And that student went on, um, well, speaking of medicine, went on to use her free time um, to devote to um, getting involved in research and found this passion that she didn't even know she had. Right. Um, so uh, I, I think that there are, you know, uh, lessons to be learned about treating those pivots um, well and then treating them um, n- not so well. <laughs> I think that the sports is getting like absolutely bonkers in our country. And I don't know about other countries, but like youth sports are getting out of control. You know, I've watched, so Oliver's 10 now, and the majority of his peers are doing select soccer, baseball. You know, these are huge time commitments. They're a huge investment financially. Um, a lot of them are traveling, and you're like, they're 10, you know? And then you look ahead to what's to come, and you're like, oh, my goodness, you know? And, like, what does that do? You know, you want them to be passionate and have these extra things. But, like, at what point is it too much? I think that um, the year-round sports, which we talk about also yeah. in the book, um, you know, I'm, I happen to be the parent of um, a college athlete, and I also mm-hmm. happen to be the parent of a, uh, a college pure academic <laughs> and, um, and they're both very different routes yeah, and, yeah. Um, and I can relate to kind of both sides, I guess, of the coin and doing these one sports from a very young age comes. Yes. Correct. At a huge cost at a huge sacrifice right. and a huge potential burnout rate. And, um, we, you know, looked at, um, even interviews with families of kids who, you know, had these life career ending injuries at such young ages because their bodies couldn't sustain the year round pounding on their young bones of these sports, but yet this was what they wanted and their parents wanted for them. And we put in there, um, a reference to some really interesting statistics on how many kids even out of this really realistically become college That's athletes exactly what me and, and my husband have, the numbers the are very 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 slim so <laughs> if they're enjoying the activity and yeah. it's a positive then you keep doing it if they appear to be burning out you can take a break from it you know we are not like trying to create a world of college athletes here in right. fact um timely in our news colleges are cutting sports right now So, um, for, you know, different reasons, but that being said, that's just not necessarily the basket you want to put all your eggs in all your eggs. Um, so doesn't that like hurt your heart a little bit for the college athletes, like right now or the Mm -hmm. future kids going to college next year? And like, what does that look like for them? Mm -hmm. Are there scholarships in jeopardy? You know, it is, it is a weird bummer of a time. time. That's for sure. But one thing, um, one thing, Abby, that um, we are trying to teach parents to do, and we do that at the outset of the book, which we devote really our first chapter or two chapters to parents doing what we call looking backward and doing a real deep self-analysis of who you are as a parent and who your spouse or partner or other adult in your child's life is as a parent and doing some really deep soul searching and investigating to how you were raised, what your interests were, what your academic background was, um, and sort of how it all worked out for you. And knowing that you can assess that, but not necessarily apply that to your child. And that goes in parenting anyway. There are things we say as parents, well, I'll never do what my mom did, blah, blah, blah. And then we find ourselves 
hearing those very same words or doing yeah. those very same things. So, so in, in the parent compass, we try to have um, parents, we use like the term, kind of the biblical term, physician, heal thyself. You have to know who you are and where you came from before you can do a really good job in putting that energy into supporting your kids and parenting to the best of your ability, which we know is a 24-hour lifetime, exhausting, you know, draining job. And um, so we hope that this sort of self-exploration that we're challenging parents to do at the outset of this book will help kind of create a um, stable base from which to move forward with then the ideas that we're help- hoping parents will try to implement in their very own homes. Yeah. So just a theme. <laughs> it sounds great. Um, and the book is not out yet. It comes out in August, correct? Uh, actually, September. September 20th, it will be out, um, but it's available for pre-order right now, which is, yeah. um, which is, you know, for anyone really wanting to get their hands on it on the first day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, typically in the fall is when teens start looking toward college, right? Uh, well, the, the application, process, the application yeah. process, we're, we are in the thick of the application process right now. Um, yeah. and yes, it'll kind of crescendo throughout the fall and into, yeah. um, December. Um, so this is when they are really hard at work on their essay writing and starting to fill out their applications, um, and, you know, getting together and finalizing their college lists. And, and all that stuff, which unfortunately right now is, um, is a lot more of an uphill battle than it has been in years past because students haven't been able to um, tour schools. And so finding information out about these colleges that they may not uh, know a whole lot about um, has yeah. been made a lot more difficult. But, um, but yeah, we are in the, we are in the thick of it right now. <laughs> and standardized testing, a lot of testing. Standardized testing has changed. So things are a little bit, a little what bit. What are they doing? Little- what yeah. are they doing for the standardized testing? So um, tests have been canceled for yeah. months now. Um, the ACT added a bunch of novel test dates this fall in the hopes that they would be able to accommodate more students. Um, but, and as of now, the fall test dates for both the SAT and the ACT are happening, though, um, we, you know, time will tell. Um, many schools have gone test optional, um, either temporarily or some uh, permanently. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we expect the, the testing landscape to change, um, you know, relatively significantly in the coming years as a result of this and kind of um, what, what that means um, for students everywhere. Um, you know, it's been a very, I've gotten so many calls even just in the last week because the ACT was canceled here for July. And these families are like, I mean, I don't know if you, if, if you remember back to those days, but I, you know, just prepping for the test in any normal um, year <laughs> is, is horrible. It really horrible. is. It's not fun. Um, I know. And so, you know, these, but these poor kids have been on this roller coaster, this up yes. and down, you know, you're taking the test. Oh, wait, no, you're not. Okay. Now we'll go for the next test day. Oh, you're taking this test. No, no, you're not again. You know, um, and so they're well, prepping, prepping, like, prepping. Oh, will this be better and, or worse in the fall? Yeah, I, and it's like I don't know. Season and... Yeah. I wish exactly. we had a, if we had a crystal ball, um, right. you know, we would, we would all be able to 
fix this problem. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, there's uh, so many reasons I feel, I just feel for the teens right now, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is just a really hard yeah. and an already hard time of your life. Yeah. You know what yep. I mean? Navigating right, like your right. teen years is so challenging anyway. And then you throw all this unknown stuff onto it. But Addie, you but know, I never... mentally, they, they find their identity in their uh, relationship with their friends. Like their, their yes. friends are a hugely important part of where they're at developmentally. And when they can't see them, um, you know, as Here opposed to the fact that, you know, for people our age, it's a bummer not to see our friends. Absolutely. But I, it's not um, quite as important in that sense. Um, but for them, it, it, it is, it is their everything. And to, to deny them that, um, you know, it, it's really, you feel, you feel for them. Well, Cindy, how, how have your kids been doing through all this? Thank you for asking. Well, I was going to say, yeah. um, I don't think any family or parent has ever felt so grateful for screen time um, yeah. as they have now. <laughs> Um, you know, imagine imagine this world without the connection that you can make through Zoom and through FaceTime and through Instagram and how all these kids Snapchat, however they're all communicating when they can't be physically present, at least allows them faces to see and right. um, and the connection of that human you know view, even if you can't touch it. Um, but, you know, we out here in um, Northern California, we have definitely hunkered down. I mean, my my um, second, my one son graduated from college. So that was no graduation and yeah. um, and kind of, you know, disappointing. The the diploma came in the mail a couple of days ago and it was kind of weird to just open it up in an envelope. And we gave him a and big hug. And first one. Yeah. yeah. So he didn't get, you know, a proper graduation. I mean, everyone's got their thing. And then the next one came home for spring break of his from his freshman year with a small duffel bag. And his items are still in his dorm room in Philadelphia. He yeah. wasn't able to go back. So he came home thinking he was going back a week later. And he's still here. And um, then I have um, the next one is a high school freshman who, you know, had to give up um, you know, the end of his freshman year and sports and new friends. And um, he yeah. seems to be doing pretty, everyone seems to be, you know, listen, thank Knockwood, we're all healthy. Um, we, we actually like our kids. So it's fun, <laughs> you know, even though they may not want to be hanging out with us quite as much. Um, we've yeah. never had more family dinners. We've never used our dining room table more than we have um, in the last three and a half months. And, um, you know, we do we're, we're doing what every other family is doing who's taking it seriously, trying to make the best of it, trying to grow yeah. from it, and and respecting the boundaries that we each need to just, you know, create at times where you close your yeah. door and, and find your space. So And kids you know. really are so resilient, you know what I mean? And it sounds like you're doing a great job empowering them. Um, so tell my listeners where they can find you guys. Um, so we have a bunch of social media handles that, um, are, you know, out there and growing. We're definitely trying to, you know, keep getting the word out. So I would say, um, we have a website that is, um, www.parentcompassbook.com. We have a Twitter that is parentcompass1. We have an Instagram that's parentcompass. We have a Facebook that's the parentcompass. And we even have a LinkedIn that is Cindy Muchnick and Jen Curtis. But if you type in the search for the Parent Compass, you'll find us on LinkedIn. So whatever way you like to communicate, we're trying to start to um, share some of our little tips and quotes and and teasers to get readers excited. And, um, you know, also to have parents know that we're here during this time. The content of this book, we feel 
is kind of more relevant than ever. We're disappointed that we yeah. can't get out into the schools right away to start talking to families and to the bookstores right away. But we will be on um, a virtual book tour in the fall and yeah. then um, kind of a, hopefully a more live book tour in 2021. So this is a book that we hope will be around for a long time and and is, you know, current and, and um, useful. And, um, you know, we're excited to, to share it with you and your listeners. And we're so grateful to, um, you know, to be able to have an opportunity to talk about it because it's been our baby for the last, <laughs> you know, year and a half yeah. and we're ready yeah. to give birth to it and, and mm -hmm. um, you know, let it grow. <laughs> Well, I'll be linking um, the pre-order link and the description of this podcast. And Cindy and Jen, thank you so much for joining us. And be sure to go sign up for the book. Thank you so much, thank you Abby. So much, Abby. We're really happy to be with you today. And we appreciate your time and interest. Thanks, ladies.